Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This netcast is part of a series from the Fall 2009 Faith and Globalization Seminar. For more on the initiative, visit faithandglobalization.yale.edu. Harry, one of the things we discover in both in Luke and Acts is that Luke seems to be concerned about geography. I think not in terms of geography lessons but as a kind of organizing principle to bring his themes together. And, and for these passages we're looking at now, Jesus is on a very long and somewhat convoluted trip to Jerusalem. And as he goes, my sense is that he takes time uh, to instruct his disciples on some of the main themes that he thinks they will need to remember as they move from his presence to his presence in heaven. Uh, and, and we see some of those themes here. He, Tells, tells them how they are to confess him, uh, even when they're under threat, and some sense that discipleship will never be easy. There's more contemplation about the relationship between wealth and poverty with the fool who puts all his stuff together and says, now my soul, take your rest. And mm -hmm. uh, Jesus has God say, God speaks again here, incidentally. God mm -hmm. doesn't speak often directly uh, in, in God's most direct way, you stupid fool. Mm -hmm. um, what's... What are the themes, you think, that, that Luke mm -hmm. is holding out for the nascent church to be thinking about as, as Jesus gives them these kind of parting instructions? Right. You've hit a couple of uh, major things that, that, that are going on here. And it's rather difficult in these chapters of Luke, uh, in the center of the, the, the long journey to yeah. Jerusalem, to see a simple thematic yeah. continuity. I'll Luke seems to bounce back and forth, and he's probably picking up material from different sources. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's material in here, for instance, that reminds us of the, um, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, um, the Lilies of the Field passage, for instance, in Luke 12, 22 yeah. and following, uh, that we find in, in Matthew 6. Uh, so Luke is getting material from different places and, and sort of organizing it here in, in a kind of spiraling way. But he does seem to touch on a few key things, and, and you've mentioned them. One, the cost of discipleship. Uh, you have to, to reckon what it's going to take to be a, a follower of Jesus. And sometimes it's a very heavy cost. Uh, a little later on, we'll hear that you have to hate your fathers yeah, and your, huge. Or your mothers. Yeah. Uh, in Luke 14, uh, 25 and 26, whoever comes to me and does not hate father yeah. and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Yeah. That's pretty heavy That's stuff. very heavy stuff. And it's uh, much more pointed than the, the parallel in, uh, in Matthew 10. Uh, which says, uh, if someone loves father and yep. mother more, more than, than me, me yep, yep, yep. you can't be my no, this disciple. This is hugely different. Yeah. This is one of those points where uh, you begin to wonder which is the, uh, yeah, the original version of, of Jesus saying, yeah. and I think the Lucan one is I probably too, it. Because it's easier to As see a, why you'd want to. That's right. Tone it down than rather to make it. This has a little yes. more punch. Yeah, mean so, as it is. In, in any case, this is one of the themes that uh, that runs through these chapters. Don't preach that for Mother's Day. I would have on that one. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be a temptation. Uh, the, the other theme is uh, wealth and uh, poverty. And again, this is interwoven. And so we have the radical call in Luke 14, 33, uh, as part of uh, one of these sections on yep. the cost of discipleship. Yep. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your yep. possessions. Yep. Uh, that's pretty strong stuff. That's very strong stuff. And then, you know, we'll have to keep that in mind when we see some examples of Jesus encountering sinners who have yep. um, uh, involved themselves in uh, the, the misuse of wealth. And does, does he always... Yeah. Uh, articulate that call. That seems to be, you know, what in the Catholic tradition would be called uh, uh, a council of perfection. Yes. Uh, which is somehow to be qualified in a pastoral sense when you're actually dealing yeah. with um, concrete individuals. And in some ways, Luke exemplifies that, uh, that tendency to have the strong ideal out there, 
But then to and have then what you actually do with right. it is somewhat more modest. Well, John the ba the John the Baptist things. Don't that's stop right. being a tax collector, but stop extorting money. Either that or Luke is just inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Consistency no. being the uh, yeah, the hobbling of the little gospels. Right. Uh, uh, you mentioned the parable of the rich fool, and that's yeah. certainly um, uh, in in Luke chapter twelve an example story, right? Uh, Hugely. Yeah. Ke keeping things in in the right in perspective. perspective. And not putting, it's, it's investing not, yourself. Not in. right. Not that you can't have anything, but if you invest your soul in what you have, right. then you've lost it. And you can see how Luke. It, there's there's a bit of an artfulness in the way Luke ju juxtaposes some of these uh, passages. So he takes the story of the rich fool, which we don't have uh, in the other synoptic right. gospels, right. and puts it right next to the uh, "Don't worry about uh, clothing." Yeah, 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 yeah. Like which the "Lose of the Field" passage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the two complement yeah. one another. Oh, very nice. In a rather interesting uh -huh. way. Uh, and Jesus also reminds his, his disciples that, uh, you know, it's not easy going. Uh, you're going to cause some division. You, you are going to be uh, setting some boundaries yeah. by following in my footsteps. People are not going to be um, uh, all uh, harmony and light oh, around exactly, you exactly. Uh, in uh, Luke chapter 12, 49. Well, I think part of it is we, we need to, we lose first century context so easily. I mean, my mother and my father and brothers and sisters all went to church with me. Mm -hmm. But when I talk to people in in first-generation Christians. Hate may be a strong word, but real family division takes place when one leaves Confucianism or Buddhism or any other religion or non-religion at all. The, the annoyed atheist parents whose son, in a case we both know, mm -hmm. wandered off to seminary, they never did figure that out. Right. Uh, in any case, um, these, these themes will be picked up again in Acts and the, the divisions that are Absolutely. caused by people who respond positively to Jesus' message is, is uh, something that Luke will be concerned yeah. with throughout. Yeah, all the way through. Yeah. Okay, we've got this fascinating story in here about following and not following, which is a story of a banquet mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of chapter 14. Uh, somebody throws a banquet, uh, and then all the usual invitees, expected invitees, don't show up. And so what happens, and what does that mean for us in terms mm -hmm. of Jesus' ministry and message? Uh, here we have another one of um, Jesus' well-known parables, yeah. and we have it um, attested for us in in three different sources, two in the canonical New Testament uh, here in Luke 14 and also in Matthew 22, and then also in the non-canonical Gospel of Thomas. And in each case, it seems to have a slightly different point, a slightly different focus, mm -hmm. which illustrates the principle that we saw before of uh, parables in particular having multiple possible meanings um, that can be actualized in different kinds of uh, contexts. Just for contrast, uh, Matthew and Matthew 22 seems to be now, focusing on, the, on this as a, a parable of life in the church. Matthew is big yeah, on Yeah, yeah, very huge church. on life in the church, yeah. And um, as a, a kind of uh, coda to the parable, we have the, uh, the little story of the, the wedding garment that's a skew. Right, right. And so it's cast in, in Matthew as a wedding feast yeah. rather than a general yeah. banquet. And someone gets in who doesn't have the appropriate right. garment and, you know, is going to be punished for it. My them. wife's worst fear of going out to dinner with me, but, you know, <laughs> right. missed the dress code note entirely. Yeah. Uh, Luke doesn't seem to have that concern, that is, not thinking about church order and sorting out the uh, wheat from the chaff within the church, um, but really focusing on one of his key themes, uh, a kind of radical uh, inclusiveness, yeah. a radical compassion for those who are uh, poor and needy. So uh, the story goes, uh, someone gave a great dinner, not a marriage uh, right. feast, but right. just a dinner, yeah. an ordinary um, banquet, and invited lots of people, all of whom have good excuses. Um, and then, uh, so uh, the master sends out twice um, his slaves to get uh, get people to fill the places at this this banquet. 
So one of the things I think Luke has in mind is his uh, reading of salvation history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, there is um, a reflection on the theme that's going to occupy Acts of the relationship between this new community of uh, believers yeah, 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 and yeah. those who reject. Yeah. And uh, we've seen this before at a couple of points yeah. in, in Luke, that um, uh, elements of the, uh, the teaching and action of Jesus foreshadow what's going to happen in the life of the church. And I think this parable is in some ways structured to foreshadow nice, that. Nice. And at the same time, it's structured to reinforce what uh, Luke has been talking about uh, in, in many cases, that the gospel is focused on compassion, on yeah. outreach and uh, yeah, to the, surprising uh, and to the marginalized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's here too. Yeah. So once again, we have um, uh, this, this uh, complexity about parables. Uh, the multiple facets yeah. that you can see, even within the Lucan uh, context. And I think what's interesting about Luke is that he is sensitive to the, uh, the multiple meanings of parables in a way that um, I think Matthew is not. I think that's right. Uh, Matthew tends to uh, allegorize the, the parables. and uh, This means that and this means the right, other. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Luke is a little reticent to do so in true. many cases. I think that's true. And I think this is an example of that. Yeah. Is there any way in which uh, you think first century people read this as the, the, the latecomers were the Gentiles and the first two sets of meditations went to the Jews and now at last we're bringing the Gentiles in? It, it could be Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, yeah, yeah. who knows what. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there is that, um, that, that structuring of the story of the church in Acts. That, yeah. uh, the message goes out first to the, the people in Jerusalem and then to the Samaritans and then finally to the Gentiles. Yeah. And there's resistance almost at every step exactly. of the way. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, the spirit moves things along and uh, moves it toward that uh, greater boundary. Remember, that, that, that's uh, part of the kind of overall structuring of the whole narrative of, of Luke and Acts, to give it a kind of geographical uh, framework that focuses larger on Jerusalem. Larger yeah. and larger. Yeah. Well, in the gospel, Start, it focuses on in. Jerusalem. Yeah. And then everything winds up there. And then it's like the Big Bang, right? Exactly. You have the resurrection yeah. the and thing, go yeah. things go out. Yeah. And Luke draws the stages. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jerusalem, absolutely. Samaria, Rome, yeah, etc. Or Antioch and Rome. And so there's something of that, I think, hinted at in this parable. So at the end of the story, when Paul's in Rome, end of Luke and Acts, um, is Jerusalem still in? Or have we left Jerusalem behind and we're now a gospel for the Gentiles only? It, it's rather interesting, it seems to me, that uh, the, the book of Acts ends in a way that's similar to the parable of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. Uh, not the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son. Prodigal Son. And we're going to be talking yeah. about that next, yeah. so uh, I'll wait okay. to talk about okay. the, 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 Fair enough. the Prodigal Son before giving Fair you an enough. answer All there. Right. But it's interesting on Jerusalem that in the context <laughs> of the, um, the parable of the Great uh, Supper in uh, Luke 13, we have the saying of Jesus uh, about uh, Jerusalem as a place where prophets are killed. Yeah. Picking up that theme of Jesus as a prophet and the successor yeah. of the prophets, Jerusalem is the focal point of his ministry, something that we've heard about on this Absolutely. journey to Jerusalem. Absolutely. And Jerusalem is somehow standing under some sort of judgment yeah. because of its rejection of and Jesus. And his lament at the time of the, of the triumphal right. entry, which we'll come to in a few minutes. Right, right. So there, there is that, that element in Luke, but I don't think it's quite as final as um, some would make it okay. to be. All right. Thank you. Yale University, in collaboration with the Tony Blair Faith Foundation, has created the Faith and Globalization Initiative, which examines the profound impact of religious faith in a world where political, economic, and social spheres are increasingly interconnected. These crucial issues of faith and globalization can hopefully, through open discussion and reflection, lead to the kind of reconciliation and peaceful coexistence that life in the 21st century demands.